This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You know, before my daughter Cameron was diagnosed with autism, she was diagnosed as having a discipline problem. The school will call me and say that she's not following instructions. Uh, She's not talking to her friends. She's not paying attention in class. She's not following the rules. She's not participating. I even had one teacher to tell me that my daughter had a bad attitude. And knowing what I know about autism because her brother, Brandon, had been diagnosed, I I remember going into the school one day and said, you know, instead of saying that my daughter has a discipline problem, how about we do a diagnosis? How about we see if she has autism? There's a spectrum, and this thing can present in several different ways, and sometimes it is just socially. Could that be the case? Instead of her having a file filled with negative and derogatory things about her attitude and how she doesn't want to participate and how she's standoffish and how she's a behavior problem, 
could it be that she has autism? And so as an advocate for parents who have children with special needs, I've gone all across the country talking to parents of every color and every denomination. And the one thing that I continue to hear from black parents is that our children get labeled as having a discipline problem instead of getting a diagnosis of autism. And why is that? Why do black children get diagnosed late? I said, you know what? I I don't have the answers, but I'm going to call somebody who does. That's why I'm talking to Brandon Jones. He is the director of the Minnesota Association for Children's Mental Health, and he is joining me now. Brandon, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to talking about this topic. It's so important. Now, for folks who are just listening, the Minnesota Association for Children's Mental Health is an amazing organization that you are at the helm of. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. Our organization is designed to work with parents, caregivers, young people, and professionals in the state of Minnesota to make sure that professionals have information and tools that they need through professional development and making sure that parents and caregivers have the tools that they need and the, and the information and skills through resources and direct assistance. And then we offer a voice for young people to express how they feel about mental health and their challenges that their friends have and even sometimes their self. And you are there um, doing that work in these spaces. What is the ultimate goal for the organization? Well, the ultimate goal is to make sure that every young person in the state of Minnesota has an opportunity to have optimal mental health. And what we mean by that is to be able to live their life to the best of their ability, no matter if they have a diagnosis or not, they have the ability to grow up in healthy environments. Their parents and caregivers have the information and skills to offer the support for them. So we try to do as much as we can to spread all across the state to make sure that every child has a chance. Now, Brandon, you um, have been on the show before. This is not your first time, but it is the first time that we are talking about this. Um, You recently recorded a podcast about why black children with autism get diagnosed late. What have you found in your research? Yeah, I came across a few different things, but one article that really hit home for me, which inspired me to do the podcast episode, was from an institution called Child Mind Institute. They wrote an article a few weeks back called Why Do Black Children with Autism Get Diagnosed Late? And when I was reading the article, I came across some things that I've seen when I was a clinician myself and things that I've talked about with some of my clinical peers about black clients. And it's a twofold thing. One, it's a system and a, and a field response to black children, as you kind of talked about here in the opening. You know, sometimes our children aren't, aren't diagnosed efficiently because assessments aren't done because of the preconceived notion that these are behavioral issues and not an actual mental health concern or issue. So so a assessment will be delayed when it probably should be intervened at the first kind of sign that something may be off with the child. Now, a lot of that has come from just the institutional racism that we see within, you know, all these institutions in our society with the, with this, the racialized assumptions about the behaviors of black children. And I'll be honest, those assumptions are backed up by the things that we see. I mean, they're not just made up out of the blue. These are actually things that we see as well, but that doesn't mean that a young person who has some criteria or showing symptoms should not get the assessment. So that's one end of it. Mm -hmm. The second end of it is the communal 
response as well. We have to be honest about that as well. We have black parents who deny some of the symptoms and things that they see within their children. Oh, they'll, we'll say things, and, I, and I've seen this in my own family, where we'll say things like, oh, you know, they're just growing, they're having growing pains, or, you know, oh, they're just a little slow, or they'll be all right. You know, we minimize what we're seeing when we recognize that something might not be right, and we won't get that child assessed, or we won't, uh, we will deny the diagnosis sometimes when they do happen because of we don't, we have a level of shame and guilt. You know, parents feel bad if their child is labeled autistic. Now, what is that? How does that make me look? Did I do something wrong? Things of that nature. At the end of the day, either way, if either issue happens, whether it happens, you know, uh, in solo fashion or in a combination, the, the outcome is to make sure that the child has the best possible care they can get so they can develop with the autism diagnosis and live a life that makes sense for them. Now, you just hit the nail all the way on the head and, and, and pounded it into the ground with these two things, implicit bias. Yep. And shame. So yep. so you, you can't even get to um, the help if you are too embarrassed. And, and I've seen this, Brandon, um, where, you know, I'm talking to a parent and it is clear that their, their children have the symptoms of being mm-hmm. on the spectrum. Uh, you know, I, I was at an event. And I was talking to this group of kids and there was this little boy, he was stemming and he was spinning around in circles and he was flapping his Mm -hmm. hands. And and at the end, his mother came and said, well, thank you for being so kind to my child. And I said, well, which one was your child? And she said, oh, the one in the blue shorts. And I said, oh, the one with autism. She said, no, he doesn't have autism. He just acts like it. Now, here's a child who's 15 years old, Brandon. He's missed 15 years of therapy, 15 years of IEPs. 15 years of social services that he could not get because instead of saying, you know what, let me go get a diagnosis. Let somebody else tell me that he doesn't have autism. She said, no, he doesn't have autism. He just act like it. I have to be honest and tell you, Brandon, I wanted to run her over with my car because I was so (laughs) mad thinking about all the services that this child missed out on so that he could have a better quality of life because she didn't want to be embarrassed or ashamed. Right. Yeah. We have, we have to empower parents to understand that shame is not a part of the well-being of our child. Shame is a part about not doing something about it and not giving our children the opportunity to live healthy lives. That's where the shame should kick in. You know, our children experience a lot of different things in the society, but it's up to us as parents and community members to give them the opportunity to live a healthy life. And that means with their mental and emotional health as well as their physical health. Now, we can do something, Brandon, about the way we think. We can change our way of thinking. And, and and the reason that I write these children's books about my children, the reason that I'm always out speaking, the reason that I'm holding free workshops, the reason, you know, that I talk to parents at two and three and four and five o'clock in the morning when they're crying is because I want to change the way that they think. I, I want them to, to look at me and look at my family and know that it is okay, that things can and will be better. I, I want to offer them some hope, um, you know, once they you know, see that there is an issue and, and, and they don't have, you know, anybody else to call or on or to lean on. I want them to know that they can lean on me. So, so I'm trying to change mindsets, but, but Brandon, by mm-hmm. myself, I cannot change this implicit bias. And this is, um, this, this is a, a wall. This is a brick wall and it is keeping our children from having a breakthrough when the healthcare system and the school system is stacked against young black children who have special needs and they don't see it as let them get a diagnosis. They see it as a discipline problem. Where do we go? How can we even get started to change that? Absolutely. Well, we have to, first we have to encourage these institutions 
to be okay with saying, you know, this this ethnic group, these African-American children, have a particular disposition when it comes to autism. Just like we look at the Somali community, we've seen that here in Minnesota, that there's been an increase in Somali children who have autism. It's okay to say that. It's okay to do research on that and bring in the community who has the cultural knowledge to work in tandem and do some community co-creation around making sure that we have services that make sense for those people. We know that in the medical field, just like many other fields, that there's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to treatment. And some folks may need some cultural adjustments. We have to start doing that work, which means that these institutions have to not be scared to name things as they are and be willing to just work, you know, get, utilize their genius in the medical field and work with community to the best of their ability. There is a disconnect between institutions and community, but we have to work through that. And I think there's no better time than now. Unfortunately, the medical system's overrid, uh, same thing with the mental health system. The pandemic has led to all types of concerns around our health, and people are coming looking for services. We have to think of some creative ways to respond to this demand. Now, one thing that you did in your podcast was come up with some creative ways. We're going to keep talking to Brandon Jones about how we can make sure kids in communities of color get diagnosed with autism before it's too late. We'll be back. I remember when my son Brandon was um, first presenting with the signs and symptoms of having autism. Um, My family said, wait and see. He might get better. Just hold on. And even the doctors said, wait and see. Just hold on. But it was the white women, the moms in my therapy group who said, don't wait to see Get the diagnosis because otherwise the insurance won't pay for the therapy. Go ahead and get the diagnosis, get the insurance, pay for the therapy so that your child can get better. I know he's only three years old, but you want him where his five-year-old friends are when he goes to kindergarten. The school is not going to do everything for him. You've got to start early. Early intervention is the key. Now, what if I didn't have these white women in my social group? They cared enough about me and my child to tell me to go ahead and get it done right now, not to wait and see. This is coming from my family as well as my health care provider. Two trusted sources. I got to go against the grain. I'm fighting on both sides and then still got to fight for my child. And this is a barrier for parents in communities of color who have children with autism. They get diagnosed later. The studies are out. The information is in. And that's why we're talking to Brandon Jones. He's the executive director of the Minnesota Association for Children's Mental Health. He is joining me on this show. Thank you for continuing this discussion, Brandon, because I need all the grandparents and aunts and uncles and caregivers and moms and dads who have children with autism, who are black, Somali, Hmong, Latino, indigenous, to listen to this conversation so that we can make some real change and some real headway so these kids can and will get better. Absolutely. And we, we have to be honest, when disparities happen, we, all, we automatically go to the blanket answer of racism. And that doesn't mean that racism is, I'm not saying that racism isn't present, it is. But that shouldn't stop us from getting the care that our children need. And if you would have believed that those white women who told you to take your child in and get that assessment done, 
that they were being malicious or that they were trying to harm you or your child, you could have delayed that treatment even further. And sometimes it's not necessarily about the racism that takes place. It's about just our preconceived notion with it. And there's a term called racial battle fatigue, which is coined by a man by the name of Dr. William Smith, who's out of the University of Utah. And he talks about the mental gymnastics that people of color go through to prevent racism from happening. And I think that there's an element of this prevention that happens, but we don't always get the best care that we need to get. or We don't always build the relationships or get access to things because we perceive that we're automatically going to get harmed. And I know that, you know, in this world, we do have to be cautious, but that doesn't mean that everything is out to get us. And when it comes to our children, we have to do what's best for them. And sometimes we have to take a chance and see what ends up happening. And I think what, this is what we're seeing here with this autism, uh, these research studies, is that we've delayed, the, we've delayed our health for so long, and we've been hurt by the medical system. Let's not, you know, let's not lose sight of the history, the historical trauma here. But at the same time, where we are today, there are people who are just out there to do their job, and we have to make sure that we're just taking a chance to get the help that our children need. We're talking to Brandon Jones, his latest podcast, Why Do Black Children with Autism Get Diagnosed Late? Uh, the title of his show, it, it Is Not Your Fault. It's a teen mental health podcast. Um, I, I just thank you so much for putting this information out there. Brandon, when you were doing the research um, and, and you were reading these studies and, and you were uh, researching these articles to get this information, what surprised you the most? What surprised me most is that most black children get diagnosed with autism when they're in their preteen years. I mean, that, that's, that scared me because I know that that early intervention is important. And if your child's getting diagnosed at 10, 11, 12 years old with autism, and they probably had it their whole life, like they, they, their whole elementary school experience, they're behind, which means that they're having a whole, you know, four to five year catch up just to keep moving forward in their educational experience. So what does that mean when they become adults? You know, how, what is the delay or what, what do they, what kind of skill development do they need to just be able to, you know, function somewhat even independently on their own? That's what made me, that's what I thought of. You know, my, my podcast focuses on adolescence. So when I came across this, I'm like, what is the adolescent, what is the black adolescent teenager with autism? What's their life like? Well, I found out their life was a little bit more difficult because they didn't have that intervention until about a year or two prior to being diagnosed. And that has an impact on everything and not just on that child, but on the entire family. Because what I'm finding, Brandon, is is that black parents who in in Somali and Ethiopian and Latino and Hmong and indigenous families who don't get that diagnosis until so much later only do so um, because the school is saying, hey, listen, we have to provide these supports. Hey, listen, they need extra time to take tests. And sometimes, you know, it is difficult for them to even convince them to do it. Truth be told, and I haven't spoken about this publicly, but I have Somali and, and Ethiopian moms who are sneaking their sons to therapy. Because the fathers don't want the children diagnosed and they don't want them getting help. 
Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, you talk about battle fatigue and, you know, all the, the mental gymnastics that you have to go through to get help for your children. It, it is it is so difficult right now uh, for parents, in addition to the long wait list and lines, just the misinformation um, that is out there. You know, when you put that on top of the mistrust, uh, these kids are in a bad situation. Yeah, yeah. And and the response has to be a holistic response. Parents, community these institutions, whether they're healthcare, education, we all have a duty to make sure our kids get have an opportunity to live an optimum life. Brandon, if there's a, a caregiver, a grandma out there, um, and and you are, um, you know, a mental health professional, here, mm-hmm. here's the difficult part. You see your grandchild, you see your niece, you see your nephew, and they're presenting, right? And mm-hmm. and how do you then approach your uh, sister or your granddaughter or your daughter and say, your child needs a diagnosis. Yeah. What I would say, I would point out just whatever the, whatever is showing up in this child's life that seems to be somewhat of a difficulty or delay. And I would say these things your child should be doing, or it should look like this instead of what it looks like today, we should get a diagnosis. And I would emphasize that, um, or we should get an assessment, excuse me. And I would emphasize that assessment and a diagnosis is just a opportunity. It's an answer to a question. It's not a label or an identity, and it's not the end for your child. It's really the beginning, so they get all the help that they need and really try to explain it in a way of this is going to be a journey, but the journey is an opportunity for a better outcome for their child and themselves because once you get that help, you're not struggling alone. You don't feel isolated as a parent or parents or caregivers you get to have a, really, you can almost build a community around support and help. And some people just don't know if that's out there until they get involved. So the assessment is one piece of the puzzle. That's the beginning. It's not the end. Now, Brandon, I'm my phone is lighting up right now. Um, as you can yeah. imagine, so are my DMs. Um, people really want to know how they can get in touch with you. You do speaking engagements. Um, you come in and talk to groups. Um, folks can have you in. Um, and learn from your expertise. I've been in some of your workshops. They are absolutely amazing. Um, You are able to break these very complicated subjects down in a very practical way so that everyone can take it, digest it, and use it in their everyday lives. And that's the type of conversation we need to be having. Um, So I know that, you know, you go to schools, you go to churches, you do community groups, um, you do education for parents and caregivers and therapy teams. Uh, Can you talk to me about how folks can get in touch with you? Because for the people who are reaching out to me now in real time, like I'm not on the radio, they just be emailing me. Can you give me Brandon's phone number? Listen, man. I'm, I'm doing a whole show. Can you hold on? I will ask him. Okay. I'll ask him. I will ask him. So, you know, folks are wanting to know how they can get in touch with you because I'm sure they want you to come and, and speak at their events or, you know, in their workplaces. Sure. Absolutely. I'm going to give two websites because some parents, they might just want some resources and some parents or some people might want me to speak and engage. So if you're looking for resources, please check out my organization's website. It's www dot m a c m h dot org so like mac mental health dot org m a c m h dot org we have tons of resources not just autism all things mental health tips tricks um you know information whatever you need check that out that's m a c m h dot org if you're looking for more speaking engagements or to, to engage with me individually 
Uh, you can check me out at my personal website. It's jegna.org. That's J-E-G-N-A.org. J-E-G-N-A.org. Nice and easy. You can find me. You can uh, sim- submit um, questions or um, a message there, and I'll get back to you. Thank you so much for being on the show. It has been a great conversation. Um, folks are continuing that discussion on my social media channels and with one another. Um, you are changing lives and doing good work. Brandon Jones, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Take care, everyone. All right. And you all don't go anywhere. There's more of the Shaletta Show coming up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.